Okay, we have Children's Church. Rose and others will be in the back there. So you kids head out to the back of the sanctuary, and they'll take you downstairs for Children's Church. Before we pray here, I want to recognize two of our newest additions that are here for church today. I believe Peyton Davis is here for the first time, right? Kaylin, would you stand? Can you stand with Peyton? Isn't that something? Congratulations to Matt and uh, Kaylin. And then I think Cassie has Lydia here, too. So she's right there with him. Why don't you stand with Lydia? Yeah. Great to have them here. And they've been more, they've been better behaved than the rest of you so far. (laughs) So maybe that'll continue. We'll see. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for your love for us, and we're grateful for your presence here, and that you have allowed us to come together, that we might worship you, to sing these songs of faith, to lift you up and to honor you. And now as we open the Bible, we pray that you will speak to our hearts. We know your word is truth. It is perfect. You inspired it, and uh, we thank you for your inerrant word, and we pray that All of us, we are fallible people, but we need so much your infallible word. And so we ask you will now apply it to our hearts and help us to hear directly from your heart that we might be obedient to you. You lead us, Lord, and help us now to follow you, to be obedient in every way. Bless our children in Children's Church. And give them a great time of learning and growing together. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 this morning. We're going to look at familiar verses. Familiar from Luke 6. Also, a parallel passage very similar to it over in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. But in Luke 6, verses 46 to 49, when Jesus is your Lord. Jesus here speaking to his disciples and all of those others who were listening in and gathered around. And he had been trying to make the point throughout chapter 6 that a, a tree, for instance, is known by its fruit. That a good tree will bear good fruit. And so here he is taking that and applying it to those who call him Lord. If we call Jesus Lord, then by necessity that means that there must be evidence of that in our lives. And so follow with me as I read what he says beginning in Luke 6 verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, 
against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. What does it mean to call Jesus Lord of your life? We use that term uh, frequently. We uh, talk about Jesus is my Savior and Lord. We say it together, but I'm not sure we think about very clearly what, what are we saying when we say that Jesus is Lord. That is the designation that Christians used when they put their faith in Jesus, and many times uh, they suffered great persecution. They were willing to say, Jesus is Lord. He is, he is curious. Now, they were forced or attempted to be forced to say Caesar is Lord, but they wouldn't do that because Caesar cannot be Lord. No person on this earth or nothing in this earth can be Lord if Jesus is Lord. And so it is an important thing when we are willing to say the words Jesus is Lord. What does it mean, though? As Jewish people, and of course Jesus was a Jew, his disciples were Jewish, and Jewish people had been taught that only God is Lord. They didn't use that term loosely. Only God is Lord. Remember the three Hebrew friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were cast into the fiery furnace. Why? Because they would not bow down to the king as Lord. They said only God is Lord. Only he is worthy to be worshipped. And so they ended up in the fiery furnace. But when they got there, there was somebody who met them there. There was a fourth man walking in the fire with them. Remember that story? The fourth man was like unto the Son of God. The Lord was there with them because they would only declare him to be Lord. Daniel himself spent a night in a den of lions and survived thanks to the power of God because he also would call only God Lord. And so as Jesus is talking about this to his disciples, they would have understood very clearly that Jesus was saying that he rightly is to be called Lord. They would have understood he was identifying himself with God, deity, as well as his authority. And so when you call Jesus Lord, you are saying he is the only true God and he has authority over your life and over the lives of every person who live. There's no value, though, in just saying it, just saying Jesus is Lord, but there, there being no evidence in your life that you really believe that, the two must go together. He's not preaching a works theology here. He's not saying you make yourself good enough for him by what you do. But once you come to him, once you give your life to him, then you should live as though he is Lord. He is Lord of all, and he is Lord of your life. So let's look at what he says here. Will accompany or should accompany you and me 
saying Jesus is Lord. He begins in verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? So he's making it clear there must be obedience, there must be action that accompanies the words. Just saying the words is not enough. Now, uh, when, when we were in Indonesia serving there, in Islam, all you have to do is say the shahadat. There's a sentence you say, and that makes you a Muslim. Just by saying the words. But that's not the way it is with Jesus Christ. You, when you give your life to Christ, when you receive him as your Savior and Lord, that means you now are under his authority. You have placed yourself under his authority. He has come to live in your life. And therefore, it's not just a matter of words. Your life is going to be evidence of the presence and the power of the Lord himself. Verse 47. Whoever comes to me. So if you have made Jesus Lord, you first have come to him. You have a personal relationship with him. You can't be a person under the authority of Christ and not have a relationship with Christ. It's not, it's not a, a ritual. It's not a rote thing that you do. It is you have come to him. You have a relationship with him. And the way that he says, whoever comes to me, he uses the present tense, meaning that the person has come and continues to come, is coming to me. And so when we come to Christ, that's not just a point in time. It is. There is a moment in time that you realize you're a sinner and you ask Jesus to forgive your sin and you ask him to take up residence in your life and you place your life under his authority. You receive his love, his forgiveness. That is a moment in time, a completed act. But it is also ongoing because when Jesus becomes your Lord, he is your Lord. He, he, he's not just Lord in the past, he's Lord today. And he should be Lord every day that you live. And so in contrast to those who say, Lord, Lord, but they don't obey him, Jesus is presenting to the disciples these simple statements that demonstrate what should be true in your life and mine when Jesus is Lord. The first is, the person comes to me, comes to Jesus. It's not just knowing about Jesus, it's knowing him knowing him personally. And that happens when you receive him as your Savior, you, to forgive you, and you make him the Lord of your life. Coming to Jesus personally. Nobody can do that for you. No one can do it in your place. You must do it. And so it is indeed a personal thing because Jesus died for you and he comes into your life. And it is, as we said, continuing, a continuing relationship. Too many people mistake a relationship with a religious institution. The church is important. The church is nothing more, though, 
than a congregated group of people who have made Jesus Lord. We come together as followers of Jesus Christ and we worship him and we serve him and we share him. That's all in the world the church is, is the congregated group of believers. But it's all predicated on each of us having a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are also under his instruction. If you are calling Jesus Lord, you're hearing from him. You're listening to him. You're under his instruction. Look what he says in the second phrase. Whoever comes to me, relationship, and hears my sayings. That's the second thing about calling Jesus Lord. It means that you are under his authority and you're listening to him. You care what he thinks. And so it is a completely foreign concept to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've accepted Jesus into my life, but I never care about what he thinks about any matter. I'm just going to go do my own thing. I couldn't care less what the Bible says. I couldn't care less what Jesus thinks. That's a very fashionable thing now. People who want to say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but they're, not, they're no more following what Jesus says in their life than the man in the moon. It's like they don't even care what Jesus thinks about anything. They don't consult him. They don't pray to him. They don't care what other people who know Christ can think about anything. They're just going to make it, they're going to make their faith in their own image. But, Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. No, you're not a Christian. If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, you're not under his authority, and you couldn't care less what he thinks about anything. All the evidence says you're not a Christian. Now, ultimately, only God knows that. And so I'm not setting myself up as the judge of anybody, but the Scripture judges the fruit of people. And the scripture says that if you call Jesus Lord, you will care what Jesus thinks about your life and about what life is really all about. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings under the instruction of the Lord. Now, how does he instruct us? Two ways. Primarily, two ways. Through scripture. You know, the disciples, they were, Jesus was talking to them, right? And so they were literally hearing his voice. And so Jesus was personally pouring his own voice and words into their mind. But he still does that through the written word. The living word has given us the written word. And so if you want to know what Jesus thinks, you go to the Bible. And it doesn't matter whether it comports with the latest PC nonsense of our society or not. If it's what Jesus says, if it's what the Bible says, it's true. It'll be true forever. And all of those in this world who go their own way will break themselves. They will smash their life on the rocks if they ignore what the Bible says. Yeah, you can live your own way, but you'll come to the end of your way. 
You'll come to the end of your life. And who will be there? God. The Lord will be there at the end. And then you have to do it his way. So we might as well do it his way now. Because he is Lord. And if you are a follower of Christ, you want to do it his way. Because you love him. And you have received his love into your life. Here's my sayings. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings. He will speak through scripture. He will speak through the Bible. So it's so important for us to want to study the Bible, to read the Bible. We don't do it just so we can say we did it. We don't do it just so that we can say, oh, I've read the Bible more than he has. We do it because we want to hear what he has to say. If you call Jesus Lord, you want to hear from Jesus. And he primarily speaks through the perfect word he has given us, the scripture. He also speaks to us through his spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. The moment you receive Christ into your life, his spirit comes to live in your life. And so you don't have to do this alone. You go through life with the Holy Spirit guiding you, teaching you. And what the Spirit does is he takes the Word of God and makes it clear to us, applies it to our hearts, leads us, shows us the truth. And so the Spirit will sometimes uh, convict us, encourage us. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will say in your, in your heart, that still small voice, he'll say, you need to do this. Or you shouldn't do that. Have you ever, some people call it their conscience. But if you're a Christian, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Now, there's a, there's a caveat there. There is a warning there. The Holy Spirit will never contradict what the Bible says. And so if you hear this little voice telling you, oh, it's okay to do that, or you should do this, but it's totally opposite what the Bible says, that's not the Holy Spirit speaking to you. No matter how much you might want it to be the Holy Spirit, it isn't the Holy Spirit. It's an unholy spirit that's trying to get you to do something you shouldn't do. So the Holy Spirit works in conjunction with the Scripture. And he will always be consistent with what God has said in his word. Because the Holy Spirit is God. He's not going to contradict himself. So if you sense that God is leading you to do something, make sure it is consistent with what does the Bible say. And if it is, then the Holy Spirit is guiding you and leading you to follow him. And then thirdly, a third statement. Not only... Whoever comes to me, relationship, and then not only hears my sayings, instruction, I want to hear what Jesus says. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, and does them, just like comes to me, this is an ongoing thing. This is a present tense with an ongoing action, obedience. If you call Jesus Lord, there will be obedience in your life. You not only want to hear from Jesus, you not only want to know what he thinks, you want to do what he says, and you do it. 
You consistently, continuously are obedient to Jesus Christ. And when a person looks at your life and they see the obedience to Jesus in your life, it helps Jesus to be revealed through you. They can see Jesus. They can hear Jesus in your life because you have submitted yourself so to him that you get yourself out of the way so that people can see Jesus Christ. As long as we're doing our own thing, people don't see Jesus in us. They don't hear Jesus when we speak. They're seeing us and what we want. They see our agenda. But obedience makes it possible then for people to really see Jesus in our life and to hear what he not only thinks, but what he wants to do, what he has done in us and what he wants to do in the lives of others. What about this obedience? It's, it's an obedience that grows out of relationship. Why are we obedient to Jesus? Because we know him. Because we love him. Why did you as a child, now maybe this is dangerous to say, why did you obey your parents? I hope you did obey your parents. Most of the time, it's a, actually it's a pretty good analogy. Because kids don't perfectly obey their parents. But generally, when there's a relationship there, and the child knows that mom and dad love that child, generally there is a sense of obedience to the parents. Not perfect, but it is ongoing. It is continuous in the sense that there is an understanding that I should be obedient and I'm making the effort to be obedient even though I fall short sometimes. That's the kind of obedience that should be evident in the life of a Christian. It won't be perfect obedience. There is no such thing as sinless perfection in this world, I don't believe. I don't think it's possible. There may be days, I doubt it. You, someone might argue there are days when you can be sinlessly perfect. That's probably stretching it. It really is. I mean, if we're honest, when you consider thought life, the things I ought to do but I don't do, the things I shouldn't do that I do, uh, it's very difficult for us to go through an entire day and be perfect. Now, but our salvation is not based on that. It's based on the perfection of Christ in us, see? It's based on what Jesus has done in our behalf. And he has given us his grace and mercy. He has washed us and made us clean and right in his sight. But the obedience comes in that we want others to see this Jesus and experience him through our lives. Because we love him and we want to honor him. You know, if there was no other reason for us to be obedient, it's simply because he is God, right? He is worthy of our obedience. It's not really about us. It's about him. And he wants us to be obedient to him. And this is why Jesus is saying, whoever comes to me and hears my saying, sayings and does them. Then he gives this parable this illustration i will show i will show you whom he is like the person that's doing these three things relationship wanting to hear from him and obeying him 
that person, the person who calls him Lord and has made him Lord, that person is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, when the storm came, it stood strong because there was something real there, something powerful there, something solid in that man's life. But the person who doesn't, the person who may be all talk, but there's no evidence of lordship in that person's life. It's like a person who might build a beautiful house, but they don't build it on a solid foundation. And when the storm comes, it just falls immediately. And great is the fall of that house. Utter destruction, in other words, utter disaster. So for you and I as followers of Jesus Christ, it is so vital that we understand that the commitment we made to Jesus is a, is a forever commitment. And it is a commitment that we want others to see Christ in us because he is Lord. Only you can day by day let your light, the light of Jesus Christ, shine. Shine brightly. And it will shine when he rules and reigns in your life as the Lord of all. You can stand firm in the storms of life. Now, that tells us storms are going to come, right? For everybody. Life is hard. Life is hard. It's a fallen world. Human beings have made a mess of this world. And so we should not expect that life won't be difficult. Sin, death are all a part of the life that we live. And so we all get hit by the consequences of the fallenness of this world. But standing strong through it all is Jesus. And the person whose life is founded on him, the rock, you'll stand strong no matter what come. Some of these storms are really tough. And so just know that the Lord is strong. And in him, you are strong. And so... When Jesus is Lord, there's a relationship. When Jesus is Lord, you want to hear what he thinks. You listen to him through his word, by his spirit. When Jesus is Lord, when he becomes the master of all in your life, you are obedient to him. You serve him. You put into practice what he says. And as that happens, you stand strong through all the storms of life. And someday, we step from this life into the very face-to-face -face presence of our Lord. And then our faith becomes sight. We see Him as He is. What a day that will be until that day comes. Let's not only call Jesus Lord, let's let the world see that he is Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this word.
it is so challenging to us and yet it's also so encouraging you are lord of all and when you come into our life you have the power to do all things you not only save us forgive us of our sins but you're there with us every day that we live so that we might show the world your power and grace through our very lives. We pray, Lord, that in this time of decision now, if there's someone here who has not made you the Lord of their life, they've never given their life to you, may this be the moment that they're willing to call on the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, I need your help. I am a sinner. I've done wrong. And I believe you died to pay for my sins. Please come into my life. I give my life to you. And we know you will be faithful, Lord, to hear that prayer of faith and respond to anyone who calls upon your name. As Christians, Lord, may we be dedicated. And perhaps today there are those who need to rededicate themselves, publicly or privately, to letting the world be able to see that indeed Jesus is Lord through my obedience, through my desire to hear from you, through my relationship to Jesus. Oh, Lord, lead us now to do what we'll be glad we did when we stand in your presence one day. We pray your will be done in each life. And may we leave here having committed to you, done what you are calling us to do. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.